Welcome to episode 436 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, March 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined live from Hawaii by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's going good. I mean, I'm in Hawaii. The only thing that's a problem is that I burnt I got a sunburn and a part in my hair, so that's that's definitely an Eno problem right there. You got to be careful. First off, little known fact, should be more widely known, the sun is a dick. (laughs) Generally speaking, (laughs) a very bad person thing. Not a person, but... uh, Two white people will agree on that one. uh, Awful. So you got to be careful (laughs) out there, folks. It's going to get you... And uh, if you're not careful, it can cause serious harm, including a sunburn on your head, which sounds funny if it's not you. But then you get a sunburn on your head and you're like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. What am I going to do? Put lotion in my hair? No, you're not going to do that. You're just going to suffer through it. So I hope you're feeling better there. I wanted it to be Tiki Torch because you said you burnt your hair. That's how you originally told me about <laughs> it. And I wanted a, 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 a perhaps tragic tiki accident, an, inebriated tiki accident, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was uh, it was the sun being being a, a total jerk. Uh, but I did pull you away from from luau's and and um, uh, my ties to talk a little AL labor. And since Jason and I broke down the league at large, I'm really going to focus on your team because not only do you have a very interesting team, but you're the only one who works here um, who's in the league because otherwise I just would have talked to somebody else because you're in Hawaii. But you're our colleague. You put together a team that is going to represent the site. And I'm going to – go ahead. I needed to defend myself. Well, that's – that's Because you guys you guys pooped on my team. Well, you know, that was more Colette. I think I think, I think Twitter <laughs> told you that that was more Colette than me. But, uh, I, yeah, well, I do want to talk about it. So let's start general. What was your game plan going in? Did you have specific targets? Did you have a few things that you were looking at? What were some of the bullet points on Eno's game plan as you entered the Arizona Republic uh, room on, on that Saturday night? Um, you know, I, I don't know how this will sound, but the game plan was to try as hard as possible to not have a game plan. And take what they gave you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not amazing at that. I get, I fall in love with players. So I really tried. What I did was before I started, and I think this is really great, especially in auctions because snake drafts, it becomes very clear. Uh, what's happening with the player populations and where there are values. You can see runs basically in a mm-hmm. snake draft. You can see what people are looking for and when. In an auction draft, it's not as immediately clear because you can buy any player you want for any price. So, you know, there are diff- there are groupings, but it's not as clear in the moment how those groupings are going. And so how you buy your, your top player is going to, is going to matter for the rest. And it's very hard to find a good value on a top player. So the top player is almost always the guy that's closest to my price, you know, because there's always like a little premium where, you know, your values don't show anybody over 40 and here you are at 42 on Mike Trout. So, you know, what I tried to do was set up here are five stars that I think might go near their auction value. And now that we have ADP, on the site, you can do it yourself. You can do it pretty easily where you can use auction value plus ADP to get a sense of, you know, where there might be some values and where there are top guys who you like at their price. So I, I had a, I had a guys like Carlos Correa I really like, Jose Altuve. I, I, I think the projection said he was the best player in the American League next year. Um, and I sort of agree with that because of there's no steals. You know, what's interesting so, is he ended up being the most expensive guy. So, yeah. Clay Link so that, I wasn't actually same surprised. Thing. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that he was number one. I was just surprised by how far it went because I was in on that bidding until 43. And it's actually an interesting story about Jose Atuba because even though I made these decision trees where I'm like, okay, this is what it looks like if I get Donaldson. This is what it looks like if I get Correa. This is what it looks like if I get Altuve. I made all those trees and I started to fall in love with the Altuve one. Because it just lined up right. Second base in the American League is pretty terrible after the top eight or nine. I didn't want to try and skimp on second base. So getting a, the number one second baseman and maybe the number one player at the same time and getting steals from a middle infielder, that all seemed perfect. So as much as I was trying to not fall in love with any of my plans, it was the Altuve plan that I loved. So I threw Altuve really early. I think he was my first throw. I wanted to see what would happen if I got Altuve. 
and I was in on Altuve until 41 or 42, and he went for 45. So I just couldn't, I couldn't push him, you know, two, three dollars past when it was going to be that much money. So, so in fact, uh, I ended up in a plan that I hadn't planned for. I got uh, Lindor was my number one player, and uh, and so thirty bucks, thirty bucks for Lindor. Thirty bucks. So I hadn't actually planned on that sort of plan, but. The fact that I'd made so many plans, I found groupings that I was like, okay, now that I spent on a shortstop, here are the other groupings that I like. Uh, I need to go cheap on first base. I'm going to have to find power late. And so, you know, everything sort of came from Lindor uh, at the top. Now, I know there was a couple players that Jason did love so much. Well, let's, let's talk about them and let's focus. Uh, we're going to focus on Gary Sanchez here in a moment, $23 catcher. You had a bit of a youth movement uh, with the team. Focus on Gary Sanchez, Francisco Lindor, Rugnet Odor, uh, Tim Anderson, Miguel Sano, Greg Bird, Edwin Diaz, Michael Fulmer, Jarrell Cotton. So you got a nice contingent of young young upside players. I do think that uh, I believe if we, we were talking before one time, you said that you didn't want to be as young though, because if you had too many, you were worried that if they didn't all click you were going to find yourself in the middle of the pack. So let's start with Sanchez and then kind of uh, evolve into talking about your youth core. Sanchez, $23. I think Jason said it was the, what, what was it, the dumbest purchase I'd ever seen in the history of <laughs> fantasy baseball. It was very harsh words. I couldn't believe he said it. I talked to him what offline afterwards. Yeah, don't worry. I, I handled it. Uh, I actually <laughs> fired him from his, his day job, which I don't have the power to do, but he can no longer go there because I thought it was just so rude. Uh, no, we're, we're hyping this up, but no, it, we, we, we did look at it a sconce, right? We, we were like 23 on Sanchez. You're, you're free to defend yourself now though, because, uh, you obviously like this guy. I was there when you interviewed him. It's hard not to, to be enamored of him and his skills, especially after that two month breakout. You're not expecting a 40% homer to fly ball rate, but what are you expecting from a $23 Gary Sanchez? Well, he wasn't actually, there were two players. I'm going to ask you to guess who the two players were once we finish this little segment, but there were two players that I pushed. I actually put an extra dollar on past my values. So other than these two players and Gary wasn't one of them, I did not go over value on anything. So basically I stuck to what the projections said were value. And then I, you know, used a little intuition to say, well, here's, here's a guy that even with regression baked in and using the best projections we've got should be worth his money. But you know, there's, there's chances are that Gary Sanchez played in a lot of, pitchers parks in the minor leagues and Gary Sanchez was killing it when it comes to exit velocity. So, you know, those two things for me, I'm like, well, there's a chance he beats the projections, but the projections themselves, they say that he's going to hit the most homers as a catcher in the, in the big leagues next year. And that he will uh, have the highest slugging percentage among catchers in the big leagues next year. And that he will have the fifth highest batting average among regulars and then only one of those batting averages that's better than him is in the American League. Wow. So the projections bake in all that regression and say, here's obviously the best catcher in the American League. So, you know, I do kind of wish, like I when as soon as Colette started talking, about it, I was like, oh my God, I wish, I do have regrets. I wish that I had gotten like Stephen Vogt and Wellington Castillo because for the price, so Castillo it went 21 total, 11, yeah, 21 Castillo, total, 10 vote. Right. And then you get some upside with Castillo in Baltimore. Um, and you get two number one starters. And, uh, so I, I would have liked that one and it would have saved me, um, $8 mm-hmm. in all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that could have I really could have used in the outfield because my number one outfielder is Carlos Beltran at fifteen bucks. Uh, so that that was a that was a criticism that 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 held. But at the same time, Gary Sanchez and Jason Castro, you know, Jason Castro profiled okay in terms of exit velocity and, and and hitting the ball in the air and and not popping the ball up. So he actually has some things are going for him. I know it hasn't looked that good. Um, in the last couple of years, but he's also a starting catcher, so he'll get me more volume than a, than a dollar catcher. Definitely, definitely. And so, 
I think that the the twins are going to roll him out there every day for framing, not every day, but like a lot for framing purposes. And you know, maybe he'll feel valued and 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 have a decent year at the dish. But I just want him to give me at least eighty to a hundred runs plus RBI, which is uh, not something that a that a a number two catcher can say. So, um, so I, you know, I don't hate the grouping. In fact, I'm really excited about having Gary Sanchez on my team. But, you know, could I have saved a dollar there that I could have used somewhere else? Maybe. And on the other one, Tim Anderson. I had, my values have him at $21, and that's based on a fairly conservative projection of, um, of sort of 10 home runs and, uh, and like 28 stolen bases and like a 260 average. So nothing that's, that's pushing him too hard. What, what it, what it reflects is how bad the middle infield is in, in American League and how few steals there are. So, you know, I, I did go out and buy those steals, and maybe I could have bought Saladino for, you know, $14 less and then had a, a better number one outfielder that way, too. Um, sure, that's certainly but, but, a possibility. Yeah, I, I mean, if that's the projection you got from Tim Anderson, he was he was 20 bucks. That, that, that could work out very nicely. That's not obscene, especially 265 average, uh, a ton of stolen bases, and then uh, decent power contribution. That's not bad at all for twenty bucks. In terms of the guys that uh, that you you went a dollar higher and still didn't get, are these hitters that I'm guessing? Um, what's that? The twenty dollar hitters? No, no. You said there were two guys that you also pushed a dollar higher than your. Ah, values. yeah. Can you can you guess? They're definitely they were definitely hitters. Andrew I did ben- not push a single pitcher. Andrew Benintendi. No, I'm saying a guy I bought. Oh, I bought for oh, a dollar oh, 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 over okay, my value. Okay. I thought you were saying guys that you pushed an extra dollar and still didn't get. Um, okay. Oh no, I did. I was in on Benintendi to, for pretty far, yeah, but not 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 uh, to the end. And, no, two of the guys that I bought, I I paid a dollar more than I wanted to. Bird. Yeah. And Rugi. Good guess. And Rugi. No. Rugi's not the other one. Um, no. I'll take one other guess and then you can just tell me. Um, Pedro Alvarez, you paid a dollar, you wanted to pay zero. <laughs> no, well, no, no, uh, That's what he went for last year. Reddick. Reddick. No. Nope. For some reason that, that The answer up. is Miguel Sano. Oh, I was going to say Sano, but then you gave me that, that, uh, Anderson thing, and I'm like, well, if, if 20 was fine for Anderson, then 19 was, was good for Sano. Well, that, the that, projections are hung up for Sano. The projections are hung up. We talked about this a little bit when we talked about the twins. The projections are hung up on how many games he'll play. Yep. Because he's 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 showing as an injury guy, but I I'm not sure he's so young. I know he's huge, and maybe that'll lead to injuries all you know his whole life. But uh, he's also young. Like I'm I'm not sure. And uh, years old. Yeah, a full healthy year from him could have 40 homers, and that's that at the that point in the draft I had a lot of steals, and I didn't quite have that that big power threat. So. You know, I, I mean, Gary Sanchez will give me more powers than the regular catcher, but he might not hit 30 homers. So I wanted to have a guy that I was fairly confident would hit 30 homers and had a chance to hit even more. So, uh, yes, yeah, so no, I think I had for 17 or 18. I bought for 19. Bird, I had for 10. And I bought for 11. You know, I was looking for power at that point, and I wanted to have someone that had a good chance of starting all year, and then. You know, you, the way that you also bring up that I had a youth movement, I did want to have, I, I do like youth because if, I think if the projection system misses on a young player, especially if they're somewhat established, they've played a full year and, in, and, and had a good sample of, of good results, I think if the projection systems are going to miss on those guys, they're going to miss low. Yep. And the, those players are more likely to outperform than underperform. If you look at the sort of shape of their possibilities. So I want to have those guys. And then I felt like there was a lot of old guy values near the end. So that's Carlos Beltran, Josh Reddick, Monty Chisenhall, Pedro Alvarez. And the Alvarez uh, gamble paid off. He inked with, uh, goes back to Baltimore. Even as just a strong side platoon guy, you can get 400 plate appearances against righties from him. That's going to pay off a dollar easily. I mean, it, it, probably upwards of tenfold. He could be a $10 value for you there. And that's another good way to supplement your power because you said you felt good about your speed. Sanchez is a great power guy for catcher, but not necessarily as a centerpiece. So you have Odor, Sano, Bird, um, and Alvarez as, as firm power guys plus Beltran. We can't, we can't ignore him. $15 older guy. So you did balance 
some of your youth with with some establishment too, and, and so I do like that. Honestly, the more I look at this team, I, I really see how it came together. It's not a flashy team. There is no Benintendi or Bregman. Sanchez is probably that guy, but then everybody else I think is is, is perfectly justifiable uh, in terms of of the way the pieces fit together. And we're gonna get to it in a minute, but it's the Enoiest pitching that I've ever seen, <laughs> and I expected. Yeah, I guess the other less. on the hitting side. Um, my outfield is obviously a weakness. I mean, Beltran, Reddick, Pilar, uh, Chisholm and Rosario is not, uh, you know, the dreams of champions, you know, but, uh, what, what I do see, and Eddie Rosario for seven bucks might have been pushing it a little bit, but what happened there was he was the last starter left. Yep. And that, that's um, auction dynamics that are very important yeah. when you're looking at prices and judging them. And that's part of why, uh, these breakdowns are so valuable because you can hear, okay, he was the last starter. I would probably only usually pay four to five, but I had to get him and you had the extra dollars. So you did it. Right. So it, it's not fair to say, well, you should have gotten Eddie Rosario, uh, for four bucks and, you know, bought a $20 guy instead of Beltran. I mean, that's, that's not as fair as saying you shouldn't have spent so much on Anderson and Sanchez because Anderson and Sanchez were early buys and everything after that was a sort of reaction to how many slots I had to fill and how much money I had. So um, if I had got a better number one than Beltran, then I wouldn't have had Redick or I wouldn't have had PR. So, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of decisions that go into there. I don't feel so bad about my outfield given that I got, I think, a great infield. Strong infield. If you want that, you know, that, um, big Lebowski when he's leaving the doctor and he's got the music on and he's, you know, hitting the roof of his car moment for me, uh, that is, uh, Justin Smoke and Pedro Alvarez on the hitting side. I have, I had two on the pitching side too, but just getting those guys, they were so perfect for what I needed. A two, great reference. One dollar, yeah, two, one dollar power. Like, I mean, I know that Smoke's not a power guy with a big P. But, uh, you know, he could hit 20 homers this year. It's a buck. It's a buck. For some reason, the Jays are are making him their first baseman. And people are buying Rowdy Tellez and, you know, thinking of, and thinking about the future when you just have to think about the past, which is the Blue Jays are, for some reason, in love with Justin Smoke. And, you know, Jeff Sullivan wrote a, a compelling piece about how Smoke's ball and plays, balls and play are actually somewhat compelling and interesting because he's, you know, he actually hits the ball hard and in the air, but I don't almost don't care. I just care the fact that he's their first baseman and I got him for a dollar. So the same thing with Pedro Alvarez. I was like, you know, he's going to sign somewhere. It's going to be American league team. He's going to DH and he's going to hit home runs against righties and, He's yeah. going to be worth a dollar, so. I'm really surprised yeah. Alvarez doesn't go two or three bucks because you have to feel comfortable that he's going to get to the AL somehow. I mean, he's just such a DH, it's not even funny. And he can, he can mess around in the field, but no team's going to want him permanently having to play the field. And so you had to feel good about AL for a buck. Like I said, Inks back with Baltimore. We love that park. That's going to work out. So the offense, um, you know, I, I I dig these justifications. I I think they make sense, and your youth movement paired with with some of your some of your older guys. I do think a Josh Reddick at eight bucks could be sneaky out in Houston. Um, you got strong side platoon guys with with Reddick and Chisenhall, Alvarez, and I think that that's going to work for you. Um, what was your favorite buy on your offense? Hmm. It is funny because I I push the no passes dollar sign, but I I mean if I win, I think it's because Miguel Sano hits forty homers. That makes complete sense. Uh, you mentioned you know? that your biggest regret was Gary Sanchez in terms of buying. Who was your biggest regret in terms of somebody that you missed that somebody else got, and you're like, if I'd have just gone the extra buck, was it Benintendi who we talked about earlier? If you would have paid twenty one, or was it somebody else that you're like, damn, I just missed on him? You know, there was somebody in the outfield. For like 15 bucks. Maybe it was Calhoun. Calhoun went for 17. No. See, Benintendi, I had, my values had 17 and he went for 20. So, you know, I was in because I thought, oh, what if he goes for like 13 or something? But, uh. That would have been nice, but no way with the hype of, of being number one on virtually every prospect list that's been released this winter. Oh. Being on Boston is just too much. Was it Ellsbury? I know you like Ellsbury. He was 15. Yeah, no. See, I was thinking Kepler went for 18 over $15 value. 
See, all those like mid-level guys just went over my numbers, and I was so mad about it. Um, you know, Charlie Tilson went for five dollars, and my values have him at thirteen dollars because of his speed. Yeah, and having Tilson instead of PR, that might have allowed me some some um, might have allowed me to get like a Kiermaier. Um, what did Kiermaier go for? Kiermaier went, Kiermaier went for 20, twenty, but I had him. On, I had him at sixteen, so it was it was really difficult in there. Dyson, I had at twenty, went for sixteen. So if I I could have saved the PR money and bought Dyson for seventeen, which would have been under my value, and then I could have used. Uh, I don't know though. I would that would have cost me a lot of money. But I was Dyson was a little bit annoying for me that he went for sixteen. I'm kind of surprised. Angry. I thought there was hype on him. Um, getting getting a more of a full time role out in Seattle, even though I'm not geeked on Andrade Dyson because I think he's a batting average liability, which is weird to say for a speed guy. Um, I'm really surprised he only went for 16. I thought that was a good scoop by Larry Schechter. Rajay Davis, who I also like, went for more at 17, and I've been seeing in more drafts where um, Dyson goes ahead of Rajay. So I know that a mixed league draft is not going to be the same as an auction, but I was I was surprised to see the dynamics of those two. Where yeah, uh, I think I'd Dyson rather have Dyson too. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Dyson too. So. You know, Rada Davis in my values comes to 14. He went for 17. So Dyson was the real value there. I would have had to get someone even cheaper than, um, than Eddie Rosario if I had Dyson and Beltron, but, um, you would have you ended know. up with like a, a Hyunsu Kim or maybe like a Blake like Swihart or something. And there's a, there was like a thing that happened in outfielders where there were like 27 and $30 outfielders. And, uh, and then like Kane and Chris Davis were like $23 guys. But then I saw a real big jump where you jump down from the $20 guys. And I guess Dyson is at 16. The next outfielders are like Calhoun, Benintendi, Carlos Gomez, who seem pretty high risk. I, I, I agree. I, you're, you're right here. This middle tier of infield before you really get into the, into the gambles. It, it, it's high. It's got to perform. Byron Buxton at 19, he's got to perform. Carlos Gomez at 18, he's got to do something for, uh, for 20 bucks. I mean, my values had 16 and that means that you're, you're banking on him to make, uh, gains that he hasn't shown yet. Exactly. You know? The, the, the equity is, is, it's really sucked out of, uh, Kevin Kiermaier there at 20 bucks. He's got to perform. So I agree One with you. One of the biggest there. values that I, that I was in on for a couple bucks was Melky Cabrera because he's at 16, but he's in the values, but he's sold for 10. So. 10 bucks. He, he, nobody likes him and he's so yeah. bland, but he's so good. I, I like Melky too. That was a great scoop by Mike Gianella, but we got to transition over to pitching because I don't want to keep you, uh, on the phone too long in Hawaii. And like I said, the Inoue is pitching and I actually mean that as a compliment, of course, because you and I see eye to eye on a lot of pitchers. I'll run it down and then we'll kind of get into the game plan and how things broke out there. Carlos Carrasco at 22, Edwin Diaz at 19. So you got your ace on each side there in terms of starting and relief. Then Michael Fulmer, 12, Jarrell Cotton, 11, Hisashi Iwakuma, 5, Chad Green, Nate Carnes, and Bruce Rondon, two each. And then a $1 Jesse Hahn backed up by a Chi-Wei Hu and Daniel Mangden and Annabelle Sanchez on your reserve. By the way, your reserve hitters, I should mention, Robbie Grossman, Dalton Pompey, and Chance Sisko. Um, let's talk about this pitching. I think it's a really strong setup that you've got here. You've, again, balanced youth with some with some age, like an Iwakuma. He's actually your, really your only old guy, but you have some stability. I think, I, I think you're going to kind of know what you're going to get from, like, a Nate Carnes. Um, but then a lot of upside here. Not too risky though. I don't think Fulmer and Cotton are too risky at 12 and 11. They could have gotten out of hand because they are buzzy players. I could have seen Fulmer going for 14 and Cotton being pushed up to, to 12, 13. And then all of a sudden we're talking a little bit of trouble, but at 12 and 11, I really like them. How did you feel about your pitching coming out of the auction? I was pretty excited about it. I, you know, Iwakuma is actually the only one I'm sort of like, eh, what is that guy doing on there? But, um. It's five bucks. I mean, he showed up yeah. to, the, to the locker, to the clubhouse and he's like, I don't think I belong here. I'm 10 years older than everybody else. <laughs> and they, he feels, yeah, to the, to the Mariners locker and to my locker. Exactly. Um, yeah. The, uh, I guess I, 
on some level when you when you're buying a five dollar pitcher, I think you're buying the team uh, situation. And I just thought if he's healthy, he's got a role. He's got uh, the second. I did the park factors by division, average park factors by, by division for a piece today on the Mariners outfield. And um, the AL West has the second lowest home run park factor by division. Um, he just got three awesome outfielders uh, behind him defensively, and uh, so there's a lot of center field deep, a lot of center fielders out there playing defense for him. So I don't know. Uh, it wasn't anything sort of based in spin rates or even looking at last year and saying, "Oh yeah, this guy's going to bounce back" because uh, he's injury and old. But at five bucks, I thought. This is a little different than Carnes and Green, who I need to make, I need to, then them to take a job. They need to take their fifth starter roles in, 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 um, Kansas City, New York. I do think that they're the guys that are going to take those roles, but I don't know for sure. So that's why those are $2 guys and Iwakuma's a $5 guy, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. One note, Chiwe, who is actually Brent Honeywell. Oh, okay, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I like that even more then, of course. Right. Because yeah. obviously his upside is, is, is markedly higher. We saw Brent Honeywell dominate in the Arizona Fall League. We came away really impressed. Not necessarily going to make an impact this year. That's why he didn't go in the auction. I think that the room realized that as well. Tampa Bay, as we always say, likes to slow roast their pitching prospects, and he hasn't even reached AAA yet. But he was just so damn impressive last year um, at, at, at high A, double A, and then the, the Fall League. And that Fall league sometimes is a bit of a finishing school so you know i'm not saying he's gonna skip triple a but they might be saying by putting him in the fall league and him in him having great skills out there that hey we don't need you to be in triple a all year and you could have a guy who maybe gives you three and a half months of of quality production so that that definitely changes things that 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 that, that is actually brent honeywell yeah, I mean, I, I, what I wanted to do with the reserve rounds was, for the most part, was upside. So that's Brent Honeywell and Daniel Megden, just guys that I think have great movement and, uh, and some opportunity with uh, rotations that are in flux. The Rays either trade away guys or Cobb, uh, you know, never really found a splitter. So what if he wasn't actually really healthy and, and, uh, finds his way back to the DL this year? So, I thought, and then DeLeon, yeah, he's there, but, uh, Andres is not, as much as I liked Andres and actually wanted to go the extra dollar or two, uh, to get him, um, the way they've treated him is more like one of those 100 pitch, 100 inning guys, 120 inning guys where they are somewhere in between the starting rotation and the bullpen. So I'm not sure that he has a starting rotation, uh, spot on lockdown all year. So I, 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 I saw some opportunity there. Carlos Carrasco, it's funny. So I made those decision trees again uh, for my pitchers. And at the top of – Carlos Carrasco was not at the top of any of them. So the first one was a Kluber sale uh, situation where I budgeted, you know, uh, $28, 29 $30 for those guys and then saw what the rest of the staff looked like. And then there was another one where I uh, tried to put Hamels and Quintana – at the top of my um, my list, and I thought that was going to be the cheap way to go. Um, so that was I had twenty dollars budgeted for them. Ham- actually, I had eighteen. I wanted to get Hamels and Quintana for eighteen because the my values for Quintana were seventeen, and my value for Hamels um, was sixteen. So I thought I'll budget eighteen. Usually, the top starters go for a little bit more than my values, so I'll budget eighteen. For Hamels and Quintana, and I'll budget uh, thirty for Kluber and Sale, and then the middle one that I started to fall in love with was a U Darvish David Price plan. Ooh, good thing you got got pushed off of that one. Well, I mean, so I thought here, here I'm going to get U Darvish or David Price for twenty two dollars. That's exactly the number I wrote down. Darvish went thirty. Darvish went thirty. And that was, I thought, well, crap, there goes, I mean, I think he's, like, I think he might win the side this year, so. Absolutely. I do think he's, like, top three pitcher in the AL, and I, I wanted to get him, but I didn't want to buy him for 30 bucks, and I didn't want to buy David Price for, uh, 22 bucks, so. There I was again on the pitching side, you know, trying not to have a plan, but also planless. <laughs> well. 
So then you get Carrasco at 22, and when you start comparing him to all these other names that you're talking about, Hamels went 21, Quintana went 19, Kluber was at the 29 that you were thinking that he would have to go and sail at 30, so that they were up there uh, with Darvish as the three highest. But why, why did you move away from them even though they were near your price because you would have had to go the extra dollar and you were worried that maybe it keeps going if you say 30 on Kluber or 31 on sale? No, actually, it, it, it was the same sort of thing with the Altuve thing where I was looking at the different plans, the different decision trees, and I didn't like what I would have to do in the starting staff if I got a $30 pitcher. Okay. okay. Oh, and plus, um, I'm looking at the sequential order now. Darvish went for 30 Verlander was the first starter. Excuse me. Price was the first starter, 14 bucks. Verlander, 24 Darvish, 30 And then round two of, of tosses, the the Fifth one, fourth one was Carrasco right after Kluber. So Kluber goes 29 to Steve Gardner, then you get Carrasco at 22, and Sale goes 30 right after that. So in the heat of all those other ones, for Carrasco to be the cheapest and to only be 22 bucks, that really stands yeah. out as a positive to me. Well, price was cheaper, but he has ob- uh, an obvious reason right, as yeah. to why. Carrasco at 22 yeah. feels great to me. And I know he hasn't had the 200 inning season yet. I understand. But these injuries have been fluke as fluke can be. Uh, busting up his, what was it? His hammy, running to cover first, getting hit by the batted ball by Ian Kinsler that, that busted up his hand. I mean, this isn't stuff that we can really pin on him, right? As a problem, uh, that's going to carry forward. So, I still absolutely love Carrasco, and the fact that you got him under twenty-five bucks, I thought was a steal. And I think it's like, um, like I was saying about getting your top guy. You're getting your top guy a lot of times is just about getting as close as possible to your values than than necessarily getting ten dollars. Like you're not going to buy, you know, somebody who's worth forty for thirty. You exactly. know, this is not what's going to happen. So this, he was the only guy at the top of the pitching. Uh, group that I got at price. My my values spit out, and this is just kind of ridiculous. Anybody who tells you that you have to like stick stick to your values uh, and like be sort of militant about it, I think is being a little silly about it because my values for Carlos Carrasco were twenty two dollars and sixty six cents. You saved sixty six cents, dude. Yeah, what the hell? That isn't so. There's obviously millions or not millions, but there's hundreds of players where you're making that 5149 decision, right? Absolutely. So is that guy worth is you know, Nelson Cruz came out at 2751. Is he worth 28 or is he worth 27, you know? <laughs> so and, and, and did you save 3 bucks earlier that you're now allocating to get a guy that you like even though your value says it's here? That's that's just the one projection or or a combination of multiple projections. Something yeah, like that. So, by getting Lindor and Sanchez and not paying above 30 for either and not buying a $40 player, that's why I had those $2 for Snow later when I, when I needed to have Snow. So yeah, Carrasco, I think really helped me because what I, what I saw when I made the plans was that I really didn't like the $1 AL, uh, pitcher and that I really wanted to have as many $10 plus, uh, starting pitchers as I could. I thought there was a, a, a drop there. After you hit ten dollars, so it's kind of the opposite of the outfield, where the outfield in that in that uh, low to mid double digit range was overpricing guys. You saw pitching was what uh, was giving out some fair deals on that. Even your boy on a closer end, uh, Sam Dyson was twelve bucks. Sean Manaya eleven. The Cotton at eleven, and Fulmer at twelve. That you got Fernandez at thirteen. Shoemaker at eleven. Another guy that you like. Yes, that's exactly. That's the whole. That's you're doing a list. Sean Manaya. Uh, went for 11. I liked him. I wanted to be in on him, but I had him at 14. Um, Drew Smiley. I wish I'd bought Drew Smiley. He went for $8 and I had him valued at 14. I really wish I'd had money for him then. You know, how did you feel about Larry Schechter's plan to go, uh, head first into the pitching risk pool with <laughs> Keichel and, and Price at 14 apiece, Hernandez at 13 and Smiley at 8? All four have substantial, uh, injury risk. But they're all well below what they like. They they could get him those ten extra dollars of value that you're talking about that you don't usually get. There is the the accompanying risk. Did you like that he went all in instead of maybe just going with one or one or two of them? Instead, got four, maybe hoping that two of them really hit. One of them stays alive, and then the, one of them is going to be a flame out. How, how did you feel about Schechter's plan there? 
I hate his pitching staff. Oh, suck it, Larry. Oh, man. You're, you're done. <laughs> now Eno is casting. It's our no, I'm, I'm, I, casting a Obviously, I wish I had Smiley. I think that was a great buy. But uh, Keiko for me, you're you're adding a lot of risk, and the upside to me is not ace-like. So um, I don't see an ace on his staff. Yeah, uh, he's hoping that one of those injury risks uh, – very much exceeds the expectations this year, stays healthy and delivers their previous ace form, whether it's Keiko Price or, or Fernandez, uh, Hernandez, excuse me. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, and I, I wish I'd got Smiley, but, um, you know, when I bought, after I bought, uh, at Fulmer and Cotton, I, I knew that there would be, uh, there would be pitchers that I wouldn't be able to get. So I had to re, I had to refocus. I could have maybe saved some money on closer, but I think Jeff Zimmerman's article really opened my eyes. Yep. Uh, y- you could read it two ways. So his article said that basically only 40% of closers keep their roles all year. Um, and then he said that the one of the few things that you could go by is look for elite projected um, FIP ERA numbers and look for strikeouts. And that, that sort of goes hand in hand with some of the stuff we've seen in the past. Um, and you know, Diaz, so Diaz is elite on all those fronts. You know, his projections are elite. His strikeout rate is elite. Uh, and so I'm, and and he's young. So I'm thinking I bought the guy who's in the 60% bin to keep his job. I agree. And, and you got the one stud and then you speculated in the Tigers bullpen with Bruce Rondone. And then I imagine you'll be active on, on fab bidding. For, for supplemental saves, am I correct? Yeah, I mean, the question for me right now on that front is uh, Jesse Hahn, I think, is going to get demoted because they've been talking about Andrew Triggs forever. So I think they have an option. So I think Hahn goes to the minor leagues, which allows me to put some putting him on the bench. So I have a choice there of dropping Anibal Sanchez or playing Anibal Sanchez. And if I drop Anibal Sanchez... I can just, it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder to drop guys when they're worth, when they have them on a zero dollar contract in labor. So, Animal Sanchez, if, if he's going to be interesting to me as an up and down guy for innings and useful, then I want to hold on to him. But if there's, you know, something that happens in the bullpen between now and opening day, I'm going to go jump in there real quick, jump, drop Sanchez or drop Rondon and, and try to get a second closer. But I think that, over the course, of, see, I like the idea of getting an elite guy who's going to keep his role, and then over the course of the year using FAB to try and get a second guy. But the other option, of course, um, is to try and Train. just do what you can to get two two closers. Oh, okay. You and just, try yeah. to get two crappy closers. So um, let me see if I have a good example of that. Let's see if anybody did that. Um... Yeah, I know somebody did it. I forget what it was. Column A went for 14. Dyson and... Yeah, who got Dyson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that Funston? No, that's Gianello who got Dyson at 12 and then got two ends of the, of the LA bullpen, Bailey and Street at one apiece. So that's like a solid... Oh wait, he got Kimbrell as well. Never mind. No, that's his third. See, he went, he did a totally different thing where yeah, he just he bought a ton hard. of things. He went hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I, but the guys he bought were, you know, cheaper than, than, like his Kimbrel was what? 17. So cheaper than even your guy. Yeah. And then, and then got a lot of, uh, other guys too. Uh, maybe buying uh, a $5 closer will turn out to be better than a $5 Iwakuma. That, that, that could make a lot of sense. I can understand that. But I, I don't see one. It looks like a lot of the AL closers are expensive unless you go with the with the Brandon Kinsler or dip into the LA pool. Yeah, and I thought that might be a mess all year. Um and I mean yeah, I would love to get one one of those guys for a dollar or maybe two. Um I don't know when that happened in the in the in the course of the of the I know that Gianella had money at different times than I did. Yeah, um I'm, I'm really not seeing it. was very frustrating to me actually. Uh, well, he usually is because he's so damn sharp. Now, he is actually a guy who does stay pretty close to his values, but he spends so much time on them. I do think that he's not He bought Bedrosian for $8. Did he get Bedrosian or he got the other guys? He got Street and He got Bale. the other guys. Uh, who uh, got Bedrosian? Let me see. Bedrosian. Yeah, I feel like the 7 $8 closer, like it's Nate Jones, Cam Bedrosian. Is. No, Adler did it. Dave Adler from yeah. Baseball HQ did what you're talking about with the two craps. Uh, yeah. Cam Bedrosian at eight, Brandon Kinsler at four. 
and then right. and then got in on on the Texas bullpen with Jeffress at two and the Houston bullpen with Will Harris at one. So that's the method that you're talking yeah. about if you wanted to save money on closers. But I think I, at the end of the year, I think you'll look up and he'll be um, no like there's no way he's better than middle of the pack in saves, and I think he'll probably be the bottom third. So he's probably hoping they just get a, just get enough and 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 win, you know. Get lucky early on and get a closer early on and try to get into that, you know, middle third instead of bottom third. Yep. Um, but to me, like Diaz, I know injuries is always at the back of everyone's head, but Diaz, if he pitches all year, the strikeouts alone are going to be amazing and oh. he's going to do a lot for me. He could enter that top tier. I mean, he could have a yeah. year where, where it puts him into that top tier next year where we're talking about not only do you draft him for the saves on a quality team, Seattle should be a, should be a solid ball club, but you're also going to be getting obscene strikeout totals. He had 88 in 51 and two thirds last year, you know, and that was, you know, I, I think some folks are worried about his slowdown in September. I think he was roughed up a little bit. He still wound up with a 279 ERA and a 116 whip. So I don't know how, how much, you know, even if he got trounced, uh, which I, it doesn't, he didn't, he didn't actually get trounced. I don't know what all the concern is. I kept hearing about how he had a, a weak finish. He went 18-0 strikeout to walk ratio in 13 innings. And yeah, he had a 346 ERA. Who gives a damn? I don't, mm-hmm. I, I keep hearing it and I, I finally fact checked it and I don't get it. I don't see Edwin Diaz. Maybe, maybe his velocity dropped a little bit, but it certainly didn't have a negative effect. Maybe because he only had 12.5 strikeouts instead of like 18 strikeouts per nine, which is what he's been having. <laughs> no, I, I, I love, uh, I love your core pitching on Carrasco, Diaz, Fulmer, and Cotton. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the supplemental pieces as well, but that core I think is really, going to carry you. Um, Han was a smart move. By the way, we were talking about your reserves while you were taking it, and I said, yeah, Annabelle Sanchez is going to get a shot. Um, you know, he's got talent when he's healthy. I, I just think that the shoulder might be shot, man, because he is absolutely getting trounced in spring training and not just like run-of-the-mill trouncing. It's uh, a 1747 ERA. It's four homers. Homers have just become a big problem now all of a sudden for him. After leading baseball for like a, a two, three year period in Homer per nine, Annabelle Sanchez has now become a home run factory. Um, his whip, his whip is 318. That'd be a good ERA, but that's his whip. Mm. And again, I know it's spring training, but that but they're is, making a decision right now, exactly, right? I mean, exactly, exactly. And uh, the articles I see, if you just Google uh, Annabelle Sanchez, uh, if you just Google a player these days, you'll usually get some local articles about them if they've been mentioned and all of his are bad he needs mechanical changes he needs better separation on his pitches tigers hope mechanical adjustment gets sanchez on track the news is just also negative he is 33 years old he had a lot of shoulders issues coming in the fact that he even got a big contract like pitched well enough to get to this level is an upset because early on in Annabelle Sanchez's career, it looked like the shoulder was just going to end him early. Um, I think, I think it's about the end of the line and I would love to be wrong, but I, I don't think so. I, I, I think yeah. I'm officially out on, on Annabelle Sanchez and I, I apologize for leading you astray with that. I thought, uh, I thought you were talking about Jesse Han with all the homers first, but, uh, no, no, no. I think, you know, Han is, Han is at least up to 94, 95 and he's trying to harness that new pitch. So, you know, I'm hoping he gets sent down and then that gives me an option and I'll probably will drop Sanchez. I was hoping that maybe Sanchez would, you know, rediscover something and push Boyd to the so, minors. So but. was I. I thought he was going to, I was hoping he'd get healthy, feel good and start getting back to stifling homers and pitching well. But, uh, honestly, I, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he's relegated to, uh, being hidden in the bullpen. Uh, for Detroit because they're still paying him. They got to pay him 16.8 this year and then a team option next year, which has virtually no chance of getting picked up, but it's a $5 million buyout. So that he's owed 22 mil and they got, they got to figure something out there. Um, so I, mean, I think, you know, everybody knows why I like, uh, why I like Fulmer and, and cotton. cotton. Yes. I mean, cotton has by movement and velocity, the second best change up in baseball. And Who's former found, uh, Scott Kazmir actually. Oh, that's very interesting. And, um, uh, I do know that Derek Cardi ran the numbers slightly differently based on a different weighting of, um, of 
movements, you know, horizontal and vertical. He weighted them a little differently, and he has cotton number one. Um, so even though he was saying that, you know, he would have liked to have gotten got, gotten cotton for eight bucks or whatever, and um, you know, my value said twelve, so I was okay with where I went to to get him. Um, and cotton is number one in our hearts too. Uh, yeah, it, right. And then Fulmer, we, we've all talked about how the changeup that he found was great and he can go to the slider a little bit more and get more strikeouts next year. Yep. Um, it, it's a great fundamental, um, uh, place to start with three great pitches like he has. So. And, and probably 190 innings incoming to help offset any sort of ERA regression that he has, which he could. He could be a 350 guy, but if you add tons of Ks and 40 innings of work, uh, I think that that's going to come out in the wash. And and I don't even think that he's guaranteed to have the ERA regression because if the skills change, then that FIP becomes null and void. Yeah, I mean, there's some of this is the Sanchez thing where it's like, well, enough about telling me how he's going to regress. Like, bake that regression into the projection and give me a number. So yep. that, that's I bought him based on the projected number, and I believe he could be better than that, like you say, with skills change. So... Um, you know, by a young guy that, that the worst case scenario should be healthy this year, a little bit less likely to get injured than an older guy, by a young guy that had great success and, and people think is going to regress too hard. Like, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, a decent way to find value. Now that my, you know, hit the top of the, 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 my big Lebowski moment in this one was Nate Carnes and Chad Green. I just thought, to get two guys that I am really sure are going to win their their jobs out of out of spring training and win the fifth starter roles, that was that was very exciting to me. Um, I prefer to have about three relievers, as you heard from some of the reliever strategies. Some guys are going four and five relievers, and I think that just takes you out of the strikeout race, takes you out of uh, the wins race. So um, I like I I try to have a six and three. Uh, that's of course makes means that you have to have some guys are a little bit worried about going into the season. And so I can't say that I think Chad Green and Nate Carnes are locks to have great seasons, but sure. I do think they'll take their roles. I think Carnes uh, is, has been talking about feeling better and there's a little bit more rise on his pitches this spring than there was in the past. That tells me that he's, you know, getting on top of the ball better and, and uh, his back isn't hurting him. So, um, you know, velocity wise, he's not quite where he wants to be, but he's not, you know, not, uh, Casimir is sitting 86 or whatever. Um, Carnes is sitting like 91, 92 when he really wants to be, you know, 93. There's still a chance to get about a tick in spring training. I'd be more worried about the guys who are two or three ticks below the usual. Were you um, looking at um, some of the other two to three dollar, two to three dollar guys like the aforementioned Triggs, Charlie Morton, uh, Mike Fires, Josh Tomlin, Steve Wright, or or were you happy with the two that you got? They were more of targets. How do you feel about that two dollar grouping of AL? What did Morton? What did Morton end up going for? Because I, I started losing it. They, they all went not, two except for Triggs. Triggs was three, yeah, and so the rest were all twos. Morton, Morton, and Triggs. I was in, I wanted. They and both went I, to the same I, team to Clay Link from Rotowire. Damn him! And he he <laughs> he did Altuve. Yeah, he did the Altuve thing, and he and I um, had money at the same times. So sometimes we went up against each other because since he spent so big early, he was looking for a lot of value at the end like that. Um, and I knew I knew we'd be going up against each other. Morton, I wish I could have gone to three on. So in in some sense, maybe I could have. Um, not gone to five on Iwakuma and then had like Morton, uh, Carnes and Triggs, you know, for three, two and three, you know, that would, that uh, would have been interesting for sure. But, uh, but I like that you got, that you got a stable, a more stable guy, more established guy, I should say, not necessarily stable because Iwakuma's health is, is what makes him $5. But even in the down season last year, he was, I think like an eight or $9 mixed league guy. So in an AL only, that's a double digit asset probably. Um, and, and you're right. If he's healthy, he's guaranteed a role. Whereas even with health, the, all these guys we're talking about aren't necessarily guaranteed that starting role. But I do like the two that you, that you picked up on with Green and Carnes. And you're going to get Triggs and Morton shares throughout your other drafts because I know those are two guys that you like. 
um, anyway. So, you know, if you don't want to be over invested in some of your young gambling yeah, features, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> that can definitely work. And, uh, by the way, Morton, not young, but, but definitely gambly. Uh, he's like 31, but, but he showed some, I like the, the velocity reports and the velocity reports yep. out spring are good. And it sounds like he's throwing a splitter. So I, I, that's a, that was a definitely, and Triggs is like that weird sidearm guy who also is trying to throw a changeup. So, and has a great park behind him and is going to murder righties. So it's the, the changeup is a little bit important because he's going to have to find a way to go against lefties. But even last year, he had he has a cutter and a slider, so he had like a bit of a cutter slider, like a two-breaking-ball approach against lefties. So, you know, I think Triggs, Triggs and Morton are great, and um, you could make the argument over Kynes and Green, for especially over Green. But the, the question is not... Green at two and Triggs at two and Morton at two. It's Green at two or Morton or Triggs at three. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, and when you're late in the in the in the auction like that, sometimes you don't even have that three. So, you know, the other guys that I like, but you know, in the end game, Matt Boyd went for four dollars. Looks like he's got that job in Detroit. We're talking about that. Trevor Bauer at five. He thinks he's found his command this year, so that could be. A uh, good value. Eduardo Rodriguez at six. We've talked about the the knee and what's going to go on there, but you know now it looks like he has a he has a more fundamental role there. And and if if price goes down, he's you know if, he's going to be in there all under eighty for sure. If so. he's healthy, I still love Eduardo Rodriguez. My, none of my reservation with him is is skill based. It's entirely based on that knee uh, being yeah. being a being a continued issue but but if he's healthy sign me up and I will have shares this year just just in case uh, he's good to go so I, I agree Matt Andres went for three dollars and I had him for 12 in that so I, I really wish I had saved enough money for Matt Andres holy hell yeah I mean I, he's one of those guys that's I don't think he's amazing but he's good and he's one of those 120 inning guys that Swing may man, yep. Be really good in the pen and give you his ratios from the pen work and then, you know, start enough to give you some wins too. Maybe a kind of guy that has like, you know, like eight wins, you know, three, six, five ERA, one, two whip, and then, you know, maybe a save or two, you know, just like yes, kind of across four, the four saves as well. Two yeah. of them like are three inning saves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's just one so of those that, collections of, of ten. It's kind of like the, the offensive guy who does a bit of everything. It's harder for pitchers because obviously they're either starters Melky or Cabrera. closers. But yeah, exactly. He could be the Melky Cabrera <laughs> where he just dabbles in everything and it comes out. It's 120 solid innings. So I agree, uh, agree with you there. And that's, that's even with you saying that you weren't over, you know, over the top on Andres, but compared to three dollars, you really, yeah. you really like that. Oh, he went five dollars, uh, but which again, oh, okay. you said thirteen Still. was your value. So yeah. Colton yeah, yeah, Wolfman yeah. got a big, a big buy there. Uh, all right, you know, I'm, I'm gonna wrap. One it up. last one that I, I like. Uh, Garrett Richards went for seven, and I had him at eleven. So that, that's an easy gamble to take. Those are, those are some that. single digit pitchers that, and I would take all of those over the one dollar pitchers, which were Ronaldo Lopez, Tyler Duffy. Ooh, no, 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 no. Bud Norris. Kyle Gibson, I am out. Oh, yeah. Who? Bud Norris. Kyle Gibson, yeah. a, a, a former, uh, you know, in sport guy. We used to, we used to talk, speak well of him. Yeah. And it's just at a point where, uh, give it up. I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't. If he breaks out now, I missed it. Fine. You know, how many more years can I invest? The dude's going to be 20. It doesn't look good. The, the arm slot last year went in the wrong direction. You know, he's it's just, just the movements there. getting all screwed up. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's just not there. Um, all right. Uh, any, any final words on your reserves? I, I again, I went over them. Grossman, Brent. Oh, Honeywell. I, I, yeah. In the, in the rundown that you're asking basically if there was like a plan or if it was just guess best. And actually I think that is the place to just plan. You have needs. You need to think about what your team looks like. And in AL Labor, you have all these rules about who you can bring up and drop down. So basically, on the hitting side, I wanted to protect my weakest investments. So I brought, I got Dalton Pompey because if Ken Piar loses his job, I want to have the guy who takes it from him. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think that there is a real opportunity in left field in Toronto. So, you know, if Dalton Pomke can step forward, there's, a, there's even a role next to PR. So that's, that was one idea. Uh, Robbie Grossman is an Eddie Rosario protection, you know. Um, Grossman's probably best as a fourth outfielder, but 
if they just get totally tired of Eddie Rosario because he's not the got got great plate discipline, you know, they've tried to work with him in the past, but so there's a little protection and, there. And Grossman was good last year. 11, 11 stakes, uh, 280 average, 386 OBP. I mean, he had a 126 OPS plus looking over here on baseball reference in 99 games last year. Still going to be just 27. So, you know, not, not super young, but hardly old. That's Switch not hitter. Bad, I mean, that's not a bad reserve pick. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad reserve pick at all. And then, uh, the rest. So there's like, to me, there was two guys you want in reserve. You want, a guy who's not bad, super close to the bigs, has some role, will be able to fill in for you. The one thing I, I regret is not having like a Christian Cologne who has is running out of options in in, in um, Kansas City. So that would be also like a Tim Beckham, uh, yes. and Marwin Gonzalez would fit in that role. Anybody as well. who's like shortstop eligible or you know has a couple eligibilities that you can sort of bring in. Yep. And but see, for me with Tim Anderson and Lindor, like I have at least a backup at short. So, you know, outfield to me was the real focus. That's why I ended up. And then having some ups. And then the, so that you want the guy who will come in and play and has low ceiling, but, you know, high floor and, and usefulness for you because you can shovel that guy in and out for innings or, or, or for plate appearances. And the other thing you want are the prospects. You want the high ceiling, you know, that's the Brent Honeywell pick. Um, that's the Chance Cisco pick. Because to me, Chance Cisco, uh, there's a chance he comes up. I mean, he's, he's already played in AAA. We've, we've publicly on fan graphs said that Wellington Castillo's framing is terrible and that the better catcher in Baltimore might be the backup there. Correct. That was a Sullivan piece. Yep. That's the one thing. We love Castillo's bat in Camden, but will his work behind the dish cost him playing time? Right. And then, and then catchers have a high degree, uh, a high chance of, of injury. So one of those guys gets hurt. I think they're going to go to Chancisco if, even if they're not good. If they're good, they go to Chancisco because they say, let's catch lightning in the bottle. And if they're bad, they go to Chancisco to say, let's see what we got. He's the future. Exactly. So, yeah. So I, I, I thought Cisco to get a guy like Cisco, even with his Castro there, I would love to have some upside of the position. So Cisco might have been, uh, uh, like a shortstop. On another team, but I thought I could take that chance there. And then Mengden is, um, like Anibal Sanchez, a guy who is like a six or seven starter for a team right now. Uh, Mengden is recovering from surgery, but in the second half, he could be their sixth starter. So, you know, come up and pitch in, in Oakland for me. Yeah, thanks. And then I can put you back down again if you go on the road. I don't like what's happening. So, well, And he showed some nice stuff last year. I remember you raving about him. Uh, you know, the mustache got everyone's attention, but then the stuff ended up having some... some oh, he's really stuff. interesting. I think if anybody's looking for a reserve $1, you know, dynasty, you know, devalued guy to try and buy on, I actually like Daniel Magnum because he has... He's a little bit like Joe Musgrove where he's got some up down uh, quality to a lot of his stuff because they're both you know high arm slot guys who mm-hmm. who you know throw curves that have a lot of drop and have you know riding fastballs and then both Musgrove and Mengden also have a super sideways pitch like a super sideways slider. So Mengden has found a way to combine good north south movement with good east west movement. So for him it's all about you know, his velocity was down a whole tick and a half out of the stretch, so he needs to figure out how to keep his velocity the same out of the stretch and, uh, and I guess maybe some command issues and that's it. I mean, otherwise he's, he's starting, it's almost like Barrios we've talked about. You know, sometimes you start with movement and you figure the rest out, so. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, alright, well I am gonna, I am gonna let you go now. Uh, let you get well, I hope you guys don't hate my team as much. Jeez. Listen, listen, again, that was all Colette. <laughs> Let's talk behind his back. He can't defend himself just like you couldn't when we were smoking you. Honestly, yeah. the, I think the one that I, I was most sketchy on personally was Tim Anderson. I haven't, uh, I, 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 I just haven't seen it yet in terms of why the hype is there. I even mentioned that in a, in a piece recently where I was like, it's not that I'm against him. I just I, I don't know where I stand, and I think you've illuminated that uh, that projection that you gave is far from outlandish. And if that's a twenty dollar valuation, uh, I need to bump Tim Anderson up a bit in, in my focus. And then, of course, you know, I probably wouldn't have paid the Gary Sanchez freight, but 
I don't think it hindered your team so much that you can't compete. I think this is a team that needs in-season work, but which one does, you know, find me one that doesn't, but that uh, it has the core to compete. So, um, I, I'm going to be eager to follow it. We will, we will give regular updates on, on what you're going for. I know this is a league that we regularly talk about when you're making moves for it. So. We will definitely do that, especially if you make trades and, and, and big pickups, things like that. Um, we're TBD for the rest of the week. If you, depending on how you get back and all that, maybe we'll do another episode this week. Um, does that sound all right? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Good. Well, I, I, uh, great talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your time in Hawaii, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.